when you have a voice and you know that your voice can be heard, you must treat that voice with respect. This is Malvika Vardhan and welcome to Chapters of My Life podcast on this very special add-on recording. We're looking back and interview guests to see what happened since the last recording. So what is actually Chapters of My Life podcast? First of all, I want you to imagine your past life right now in front of you. Well, where should I start? Well, imagine you need to write your life story in form of a book already. It's a challenge itself. And honestly speaking, I barely have never thought about this because we always think we have to be old, 70, 80, 90 years old to look back and to be able to write a biography. But in fact, we have so many experiences ready to share already with others. Achievements, failures to learn from, positive and negative life transitions, which in the end lead to the person we are today. This Chapters of My Life podcast is an inspiring collection of life transitions packed into a podcast audiobook format, capturing the willpower and belief of people during important life-changing decisions. And we interview innovators, athletes, entrepreneurs, and idealists, giving insight into their past life from a young age till today. You can subscribe to Chapters of My Life podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or on SoundCloud. So pretty much all great platforms out there. You can find all episodes also on my website at daniel-ludwig.com slash podcast. What a pleasure to have Malvika Vardhan on the podcast back again in this episode 25. This podcast is the beginning of a special add-on edition, meaning I follow up with the past guests to see what new life chapters were created in their life since the last recording. This episode is not just an add-on edition, but also the beginning of Volume 2. You probably ask yourself, wait a minute, what was Volume 1? Right, from 2018 and 2019, I started to record 24 live books with my guests, which is now Volume 1. After a creative break till 2020, I decided to create Volume 2, a summary of the recordings in 2020 and 2021. Therefore, this recording is the beginning of Volume 2. Our last recording was back in July 2018 with Malvika on episode 15. So have a look on that. You can find that chapterzomba5.org. It's a live book title in search of words. And as we will soon hear, a lot has changed in her life. In our 2018 episode, we narrowed down three chapters. First, finding words. Second, listening to stories. And third, telling stories. It's all about stories. In this podcast add-on, she decided to choose empower others to tell their stories as her first chapter title. And this new chapter is all about hiking, solo in Himalayas, work-life balance, loving and laughing, but also about closing a past unforgettable chapter of hers as a radio presenter and being now a strong female lead as a managing director of The Hive. It is a space for almost anything for young kids, grade one to eight, in speech and drama and communication skills training. As she highlights on her website, a place to create, rehearse, form, exhibit, to jam, learn, entertain, meet, or watch. I have to add, this episode was recorded online too, with small audio interruptions, but overall a great recording. 
a way we all have to adjust in this pandemic times, I guess. Nevertheless, she brings energy in the room, as always, with positivity, open-mindedness, and curious mindset. In her own words, she mentioned three phrases that must define her current chapter in life. Finding balance, empowering and emphasizing, and loving love. With all this said, let's start this truly inspiring talk with Malvika Varadhan, interviewed by me, Daniel Ludwig, and you can find on Instagram at by Daniel Ludwig. Enjoy. Just never forget, never give up. Always look up. So here we are. Thanks, Malavika, for taking the time. In a truly online Zoom approved uh, podcast. <laughs> Follow up. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Daniel. It's so nice to connect. Um, I remember so distinctly the day that we recorded that first podcast. And uh, so many things about my life became so apparent to me in conversation with you. So it almost felt like a bit of a therapy session, actually. And I think back to that podcast so many times. That's great. Do you know exactly which day? I, I can't had... remember the exact day. <laughs> But I do remember what I was wearing. I remember the, the layout of your apartment and, you know, where we recorded. I remember all the little details, but the exact date I don't remember. Uh, in, in the preparation, actually, I looked into it. It was July, the 13th of July. It was in the morning. And I remember <laughs> um, it was a very hot day as well in Dubai, etc. And, you know, you, 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 you came with such a energy as well. <laughs> And you kept that energy throughout the whole conversation, which we, I think we almost had like two hour conversation. And by yeah. the end of the conversation, you still had that kind of energy, that kind of <laughs> shiny energy, which I kept remembering uh, throughout the whole last couple of months and years as well since the recording. That's great. So thanks for taking the time again. Um, as I mentioned in the intro as well, for me, that is kind of a format where I kind of want to follow up as well and want to, uh, give the, the audience kind of an opportunity to know what happened since the last podcast. And I'm now looking back, it's, all, it's a good two years, actually, over two years. Um, not just, uh, which we will go to in detail later, what happened in your life, a lot of changes. I mean, obviously, in the world also, there were a lot of changes and still going on a lot of changes. So I think in two years time, there's a lot to talk about. Um, do you remember the book title? Two years ago. In, was it in search of words or something to do with words? Exactly, I'm sure. exactly. It yeah. was in search of words, exactly. Um, and you had actually three chapters. Um, the first chapter was finding words. The second was listening to stories. And the third was telli telling stories. And yeah. you, you are a person who is, you know, it's all about finding words, but also sharing experience, sharing stories getting to know other people as well so one of the question i have now is you know in search of words since the last podcast did you find new words oh, in your life I, um, I have found a full dictionary of new words <laughs> <laughs> i i dare say i think i found a new language altogether <laughs> <laughs> what what type of words or what words are in your new dictionary since the last podcast um, so my life has taken a dramatic turn over the last two years. Uh, mm -hmm. Much has changed in my life, both personally, professionally, um, spiritually, just life. My whole path in life has completely changed. Um, and for that, I am so grateful. Um, I, I think now is a time when 
uh, teaching, empowering, collaborating has become more important to me than it ever was before. Um, I seem to use those words, empathy, collaboration, uh, empower, enrich, um, and find a way to make meaningful connections happen, not just for myself, but for other people. And I think that has become the new chapter that has kind of opened up. Mm. Um, a part that I've chosen, yeah. Yeah, I remember in the last podcast, the book title or the book cover had kind of a you know, handshake between two people. And you just yeah. mentioned the word also connection, you know, stories connect, uh, education connect, uh, great new opportunities as well. Would you say the, the hand, handshake of two people is still on your book cover? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. The hands might have changed though. I think when I was speaking to you last, maybe I wasn't thinking so much about uh, uh, children's hands, but I think now uh, a child's hands in the hand of an adult is the way we're looking forward. <laughs> nice. It's very nice. So you said that a lot of things changed over the last two years or actually especially two years ago. Tell yeah. me a little bit more. What, what in particular changed, um, which kind of, you know, could be the next chapter, which started two um, years ago i think you sparked off something very interesting in my life daniel uh so after i met you what date in july did you say it was 13th of july 2018 yeah 13th of july by the 13th of august i decided to go on a trek to the himalayas hear me okay. out i know this sounds like the monk who sold his ferrari again <laughs> <laughs> I hope I, I hope it was not the reason because of the podcast that I inspired you just to you know just find words on 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 the roof of the of the world. <laughs> uh, no, so I mean, it just happened. I felt like I was uh, in my life at that time. I think I was looking for new meaning and I was looking for new things to happen, but I didn't quite know what I wanted to happen. Soon after I met you, um, I actually met two of my very, very dear friends. And I'm talking about like a week from when I met you. Uh, I met two very dear friends who run a space called The Hive and they broke the news to me that they were deciding to move to Canada. Um, and they were looking for someone to buy over the place. So I was like, look, I've never done this before. I am not an entrepreneur. No one in my family is an entrepreneur. We are all employed people. Like My, my family belongs to a very salaried class of, of people in India. And I was like, look, I dare say that my heart is burning right now at the thought that somebody else would have the opportunity to own the hive and I want to be the one. I told them that on the eve of me leaving to Kashmir. Kashmir is a very sort of conflicted state in India. It's under tremendous political uh, pressure and has been for several decades. And I decided to go to Kashmir uh, on a trekking holiday. Even more interesting, I decided to do it entirely on my own. So I had no friends uh, or, or family joining me and it was just me and um, a wonderful mountain guide, uh, a horse, someone to walk the horse <laughs> and me in a very big backpack. And we went up, um, you know, a couple, we, we, we did a couple of treks that were just eye-opening in so many ways. Um, not that I was like, you know, struck by some magical bolt of lightning or anything like that. But just I think that solitude and that experience moved me tremendously. I came back from that holiday and I told my friends that, look, I'm going to take the plunge. I'm going to buy the hive from you. 
and that's what I did. I bought a new company in January of 2019 is when I started managing uh, the hive. So did the moment where your friends from Canada uh, were moved to Canada um, told you about that, you know, the opportunity, what went through your head in that moment, in that, that moment where they told you about the opportunity? To be entirely honest, um, I think it was a moment of like jealousy almost because I could not imagine that somebody else would be in charge of this space. Um, I had seen it from the day of its inception and I had been teaching at the Hive and I would drop in a couple of days of the week to teach these kids, but I was deeply involved in it. And I couldn't, I just couldn't see it go to someone else. Like I couldn't think of anyone worthy of taking on this legacy. And I knew these kids, you know, um, I, I know them like, I don't just know their names and their families and what their families do, but I know what consonants they struggle with. And I know what kind of literature they enjoy. And I know what their personalities are like. And I was like, to, to, term, to term it as the buying over of a business would simply not do, the, do it justice because these weren't just people. They were children with their own stories that were in its formative stage. And I wanted to be the one who transitioned them across this, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it would be, it, it would be akin to like seeing an ex-boyfriend who you've not completely broken up with, go ahead and marry someone else. I was like, no, I will be the woman at the end of that aisle. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you actually made the decision during the, the hike in Himalaya, uh, in, 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 um, in Kashmir, or did you make the decision shortly after? Uh, no, I made the decision while I, I was on the hike. I kind of made the decision. Uh, very interestingly, we had a meeting the night before I left. Um, and I said, look, I'm interested, but here are my constraints. You know, these are the numbers that I'm working with. Here's how much I can afford. These are, this is what my salary is. And this is, th these are what, these are the things that I can offer you, but I'm going to leave this with you. And I'm going to go and take some time and think about it as well and come back. And when I came back, they were thrilled to see me. I was thrilled to see them. And we sat down with an Excel sheet and we were like, okay, let's just work the numbers out and figure out how we can make this happen. Um, and that's how we took it from there. So a couple of months of, um, you know, negotiating and handing over and transitioning the business and stuff like that. And by January, I had taken it on. Um, okay. Well, on by its horns. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, even the moment you came back uh, from your trip, I mean, that was also the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey then in that sense yes right? absolutely absolutely how, it was how, how, how was the, the first couple of weeks or months you know you mentioned about the transition you know paperwork etc how was that moment for you you know you said you know you, you come from an employed environment uh, which goes yeah. later in a very quick i mean as a, as a morning show breakfast uh, moderator yeah. as well um you had your fixed schedule you know fixed kind of daily routine um your audience and then you've been thrown into that environment where you are entrepreneur and then something completely different maybe it's, a lot of elements are similar in terms of storytelling and but it's, it's a completely different environment how did you feel the first few weeks or months in the new um, position so when i came back uh, one of the first things i did was like call and tell my sister about it now my sister uh, did her mba at NCAD and she works with google right now and she's somebody who teaches entrepreneurship so it was really cool to get her inputs on it though I mean, I never thought that she would be the one coaching me through this process, but she gave me a couple of ideas and thoughts about 
you know, what I should be wary of and how I should go about calculating this and how, how do I get my head around these numbers? Because to me, I mean, I don't know how to value a company. Like, how do you value a room? Like, do you, do you, do you value it based on the number of tiles on the floor? Do you value it by the number of children walking in and out? Do you value it by the number of partnerships that have been established, by the friendships that have been uh, sort of used in the process of building this? So that was a very, very interesting couple of weeks for me because I literally sat down on YouTube and I realized that if I wanted to do this, and if I was going to jump into this and put my life savings and earnings into this, then I wanted to be sure that I was doing it right. Yes. Um, at no point did I want the friendship or the business to feel like it was lopsided, you know? Yes. Um, I wanted to be sure that I was doing this correctly. So I, I sat through a ton of YouTube videos, understanding how to, how to value businesses, how to look at Excel sheets, how to audit accounts, how to... Uh, understand what income was and what the expenses were and and just these like strange concepts that I had never tackled before um, and I think I'm, I'm quite proud of myself I think I I did well I think did I did a, well. You did a couple of weeks or a few months entrepreneurship crash course <laughs> in other yeah. words. So, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and to keep it in your words as well you create a whole new dictionary uh, or you gained a whole new yeah. entrepreneur dictionary. When I came back uh, from Kashmir, which was the end of August, you will not believe me, but I did not know how to add two columns on Excel. Like I didn't know that there was a summation sign and that, that you could just, I would physically calculate it and put it in the last box, like on a calculator. So I'm talking about that level of okay. <laughs> not knowing. <laughs> So when you say you have learned something like that and, you know, you had, I guess you had a lot of aha moments or aha, that's so easy or aha, I didn't know, almost on a daily basis. What did you learn personally about yourself? I mean, you learned a lot of hard skills, a lot of new terminology, vocabularies, yeah. entrepreneurship facts, but what did you learn about yourself as a person I coming learned. from a moderator, radio uh, moderator, and then as an entrepreneur, but also not just an entrepreneur, already someone who is already taking over something, you know, it's, you're not starting yeah. completely from scratch as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the things that I learned about myself were that number one, that I was actually as intelligent as I remembered being in my teens, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you go through radio and there's so much of entertainment that happens, you know, you're always joking, you're always laughing, it's always fun and it's fluff and it's entertainment, you know, you don't really get the chance to access intellect as much, you don't ever get to sit with graphs and numbers and things like that, you're always dealing with, okay, how can we make this a party, how can we make this more fun? Uh, and that's the energy you've been around. So it was really nice to revisit that and to learn. And, and I remembered all of my lessons in economics and in, in my college and in school. And I, it felt great to be learning again. So I think that was really lovely. Um, I realized that we as women as well, we don't, I think, give enough credit to our intuition. Um, and I think that my intuition was good. And I followed my gut on a lot of things, which... I can see now were good decisions, uh, things like hiring um, new people or choosing the right people on my team or asking for certain clauses, things like that. Just, just little things that were tiny little red, red flags in my gut where I thought, 
you know, I should ask for that and I did ask for it and now I'm glad I did or I should have done that differently and I did. And so that, it, it really taught me to trust my intuition and my gut a lot more. Mm. And oh my, I cannot tell you how difficult it is for number very cautious about negotiating as women, right? We're always like, no, 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 we'll do whatever makes you happy. You know, I don't want to inconvenience you. I'm really sorry, but do you think we could? That's always the language we use. So it really taught me a lot about negotiating and not just any woman, but also a woman from a field that is largely based on likability. Mm-hmm. We, our, our language and our ways just seem to be tuned to always sort of apologizing first and not playing it too hard and you know we were so focused on likability as women right mm. that I mean it was it's, so nice yes I mean it's it's what you say it's it sometimes sounds like you know that lack of self-confidence uh, even you know women can actually take over certain areas let's say in entrepreneurship you know but they can do it better than even men to be honest I mean yeah. you know yeah. that it's a lot of areas, but it's also the self-confidence aspect often, you know, when you say, you know, to, no, be, to be liked, etc. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I, this is not to say that all women are bad negotiators. I don't think I'm a bad negotiator. I think I'm actually a very good negotiator. But I notice that I negotiate harder for people outside of me. <laughs> you know, if, if you ask me to negotiate for a friend, a colleague, my sister, I would do it a lot better than I would do it for myself. And I think that's because it's so deeply been ingrained in us. I don't know whether it's being Indian. I don't know whether it's being an Indian woman. I don't know whether it's being an Indian woman in media. But mm-hmm. we're always told to kind of, you know, don't, don't like say that you're amazing. That's not nice. <laughs> you know, don't ask for more. It's not make sure that everyone else is fed first before you put food on your own plate. Um, yes. You know, yes. it's, it's those kind of values that are so deeply ingrained in me that I had to shake off, and it was great to shake it off. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that you know that moment where you were then already that transition period, you know, opened for you a complete new life chapter, but you also closed an older, much bigger life chapter, you know, being a radio presenter uh, in their um, number one at City 1016 in Dubai. I mean, you kind of, if I remember very well, I mean, that was from the very beginning you moved to Dubai, you know, your place, your family, your day-to-day work after several years. How was that moment for you where you closed that chapter? Oh, it was, uh, it, it happened over a period of time. So August of 2018 was when I decided to buy over the business. January was when it actually was now under my leadership. Um, it was, you know, about March or April when my friends moved out. So there was also a little bit of that, you know, they were, they were transitioning out. Um, it was, I think, January of 2020 is when I walked into work and I said, I'm sorry, guys, but I'm not going to be able to do both things anymore because I had also worked a very long, very, very difficult year managing both full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often joke that it was actually four full-time jobs because I was being a radio presenter in the morning. I was continuing to do all of my social media work and you know all the extra gigs um, that radio presents you with alongside. And I was being an entrepreneur and I was teaching because I didn't want the business to be one where I was an absent teacher. Like I wanted to be in the classroom. So yes. I was also teaching four hours a day. So 
it was a killing year and finally in january i said okay that's it i've i cannot do this anymore i've got to pick and i think my heart knows which one i want <laughs> so. wow so that moment where you went in and then mentioned it to them um i assume it was not kind of a one overnight kind of you know transition period because people know you as a face as well um yeah. public figure kind of thing what was the net transition period um was it a couple of weeks couple of months um Yeah, I, when I decided to buy over the business, I had told my boss at the time that look, I think I want to quit. Um, you know, I don't see this being an option anymore. And over the year, the radio station had been really kind to allow me different sort of rules. They would let me leave a little bit earlier or miss a couple of this or that or gigs or meetings or whatever. Um, and so I knew, but I also knew that I was wearing thin through the process. And I also, at some level, knew that it was not fair for me to not be. fully present in either place um you know was trying my best and i know that i was giving it with like giving it my all every cell of my being was there but i also knew that there was another there would be another person who would be able to do it a lot better and with a lot more um you know presence really so mm-hmm. it was a matter of time but then i think when i went in and i told um the leadership that i was looking to move out they did try their very best to tell me that look why don't you get someone else to manage that or maybe you can get a partner but i kind of knew i just knew i knew in my gut that i had to i had to do this nice so that that first few months um being in your new role as well it's a completely new environment um one thing which i actually i want to go back to another question one one thing which i was very astonished was that that excitement that energy you sent out still on instagram despite of changing role despite despite of you know complete different environment you still kept the same energy level and that enthusiasm <laughs> and that you know that that the passion for the work you were standing for and if i went on the website on the on the hive website um i kept reading many times you know it's a space for almost anything to create to rehearse to perform to exhibit to jam to learn to entertain to meet or to watch so basically it's everything what you need in life in order to not just fulfill your life but also to inspire other people to inspire you know people around you to be who you are when you started in the first few weeks and few first few months at the hive how was that and when you encountered you know the young children when you started that trainings was it for you also a place where you could personally personally for yourself perform create rehearse entertain watch etc was it also a space for you itself absolutely absolutely and it was just magical i knew in the first few we- weeks of and even though i had been so i had been teaching at the hive you know i had been dropping in but to know that it was my baby um and to know that i was in i was steering the ship and i i saw it as all of these kids and adults parents my team all of them sort of looking to me for a bit of direction but of course rowing as hard as their hands could uh, it really filled me with so much of energy and it just made me um it made me see the whole world in a new light and it was impossible to unsee that i think children fill you with a great deal of wonder you know they 
they're curious they are accepting they are fun they say yes where adults don't they're willing to jump in and try you know and that kind of enthusiasm and that kind of energy is it is a blessing to be around that it really is uh, and i'm so grateful yeah i'm so grateful yeah. that i could be a part of these children's lives without having the pressures of being a regular school principal mm. you know where i don't have to answer to the board and the you know worry about exam administration and all that kind of jazz right i can really really be with them in a space teaching a thing that encourages them to be their full selves yes um, and that, that is just it was magical it was just magical yeah it's it continues to be every day Yes, I mean it's also like I think for you it's also very important to be very authentic, natural, and not be restricted by, as you say, like being a principal or some working in a proper school. You know, be restricted by the curriculum. You know, having specific. Yeah. You can be yourself as well, and I think this is also what you're trying to do. You know, not just providing that space, but also you're trying to give other young people an opportunity to learn more about themselves in all kind of different areas in terms of self-confidence and and so on and so on. So when I think back in beginning 2019, uh, can you can you walk me through a little bit about the first few months, um, obstacles, challenges, tears, happy tears, sad tears? I don't know. How were yeah. the very first few months? You know, being in charge for that environment, that space for you, and putting in your new ideas as well. I'll tell you about the tears because I think that's the the laughs are. Twenty-four-seven. You know, when you work with kids, you're always laughing. Yes. Because they're always doing something silly, and um, but the tears are the ones that I think more people need to hear about. Um, I think what nobody really prepared me for was the difficult goodbye to the previous uh, leadership and owners. Because there was, when you're invested in a business like this, it's not a business. I, it's not. It's it. This is not a game of numbers. It's a game of life and impact and emotions. And it was very difficult for us to say goodbye to uh, Jimish and Darshana, who were the ones who opened and ran the hive. And there was so much of emotion both way because these were wonderful friends of mine who were moving to another country. But there was also a great deal of mentorship that that had already happened. And I was so worried that I would not be able to fill those shoes. Of another person, um, so that caused a lot of tears. There were a lot of moments where I was like, I don't know if I can do this, you know. I, I and we all come with different strengths, um, you know. The uh, Jimmy, who's who used to teach all of the lessons before I I came in, he had his own set of strengths. Like he was a visual designer, right? So he could come up with a set. Like in the in the bat of an eyelid, he could build a you know two-story house on stage in in the matter of minutes. And I would just sit there thinking, oh my god, I'm never going to be able to do this. I I will never be able to envision this kind of physical space. But as I did more and more of it, I realized that maybe that was not my strength. But I was able to do other stuff um, that would be of value to the kids. And that's the wonderful thing about children; they learn no matter what the experience. You know, mm. whether it's a Science lesson in a classroom, or whether you're taking them for a walk in the garden, the amount of learning and the value of that learning is the same. It's only as adults that we place more value on certain things and not on others, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it was so nice to realize that in that space that whether I'm reading a book to a bunch of kids or whether I'm building a bit of furniture with them, 
they're still learning and all they care about is whether it's fun and whether they it's engaging and whether they're feeling challenged and excited about it right so that mm. was really cool nice. um yeah so so how can i imagine um i mean back at 2019 uh were there evenings uh sessions morning sessions um after school activities how can i imagine that so I would wake up. This was my day, right? And this was actually about eighty percent of the tears came from the sheer exhaustion of it. I would wake up at four thirty in the morning. I would be at the radio studios by five thirty. We go live on air at six. I would be in the station till about one one thirty. Um, I would come back home quickly, eat whatever I could. Um, I would head out to a, a school to teach an after-school program in a school. For a couple of hours of the week, then I would head to the hive, which would start at four. I would finish classes by eight thirty. I would sit there till about ten, figuring out the administrative stuff, and then come back home and be up the next day again, with no weekends and no days off for a whole year. <laughs> a whole year. So the entire two thousand nineteen, you made that all of two thousand nineteen. Yeah, all of two thousand nineteen. Like, wow. and it was manic. It was manic, and a lot of the pain. Just came from exhaustion, just sheer physical exhaustion. I think you know when you when you are having this kind of daily schedule, almost like for the whole year. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's very very difficult as well to you know stay that or be that positive light as well, because in the end of the day, you know, you have only limited energy level as well. But then yeah. in the end of the day, you have to be very positive. You have to be you know. Um, would you say the only the reason or one of the reasons why you kind of, I would say, maybe survived, you know, the, the couple of months, the whole year in that kind of format is because you charged your batteries while working with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. If it was any other job, if it was anything else that paid me 20 times as much, I would not have survived that year. Okay. I would, just wouldn't, I wouldn't have survived that year. It so, was just the same. How what what you what would you say what kids give you? Um, how would yeah what do kids give you when you work with them? I think what kids give you are a fresh perspective. Number one, every mm -hmm. day there's a fresh perspective. I honestly believe that all CEOs and all leaders in business and politics and you know world level decision making should spend an hour a week with kids because they they just have a new perspective on the world and i think you know you you in the adult world you go around feeling smart a lot of the time mm -hmm. um whereas with kids it really tests you to see whether you can break down that information if you can't explain it to a five year old then you don't really know your subject very well because you can't fool them with complicated words and you can't fool them with graphs and suits and positions in boardrooms. You either know it or you don't, you know? So I think that's, that was one thing that they, that they really did for me is that they, they kind of broke down the world perspective. Um, and the other thing that, that children really fill you with is the ability to laugh. They laugh a lot. <laughs> Kids laugh more in an hour than adults do in in a day. Yes. You know? and, uh, yeah, and that is that's really something.
It's interesting that you mentioned that because when in, in the past couple of years ago when I um, created some short films with kids and I love working with kids, I realized um, it was at that time actually where I created a short film and asked them, what do you want to be when you've grown up? And you know, when you ask such a question or similar questions to young people, they still have the impossible dreams. Whereas yeah. when you're asking adults, you know, they analyze and they already say, no, that's not possible. But the, the, mm -hmm. the beauty and the something what you also say is like, you know, with young people, they are still having dreams. We might call it impossible, but it's super important not to call dreams impossible because every dream can still become possible but you just have yeah. to believe in it and that's the beauty with young kids you know they believe in it you know and they can imagine it whereas when you you know in your in adult life you're already kind of you know down to earth which actually kills your creativity and kills your dreaming and as you say yeah. with laughing you know you, you still believe you still see the positivity in life whereas when you're an adult yeah. you kind of more take the negativity into your personal life. And I think this is what the young people can always teach us. Also, when you, you know, become parents or something, it helps you to see the world in a completely different eye and also yeah. to still dream of things which you might not have thought of uh, yeah. to dream of again. And they're very meditative in that sense in all the things that they do, you know. Um, if you watch a bunch of six or seven-year-olds playing, they believe that that stick is a gun and they believe that that rubber band is a tiara and they believe that they are king or queen or <laughs> princess or unicorn or whatever yes. it is that they want to be that day. Um, so in that sense, everything they do is present. It's here, it's now, it's in this room. They don't, uh, you know, they, very rarely do I find that children have their minds in another place or they're calculating or they're strategizing or they're, they're very now, you know, they're very real and they just feel it and they say it. And mm. that's refreshing. Yeah. Hard to hang out with adults, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a whole different experience, to be honest. Uh, something, you know, when you get used to hanging out with young kids, actually you have to get used to hanging out with adults again. And then you become, yeah. it's very, it's very important. I mean, you see it so many times with other like actors, you know, or you have to stay humble and you have to stay be like a child yeah. while being also in a, one way in a professional but you have to keep your child in yourself otherwise yeah. you will die or half of your heart will die and if you yeah. not stay humble i think that's super important as well Absolutely. Uh, and everything so one thing which i realized over the last few weeks and also when i did a kind of a quick research again uh, what happened in the last few years um was that you kept saying a lot you want to be accountable for something so i give you an example like one of the last instagram posts you know where you had i think in, in, in of course i think i can say that i mean you posted it on instagram you know when you had your cheat day and uh, and you <laughs> wanted to eat a bit and you had insecurity but you kept saying you know we all need to stay accountable yeah or we all we need help to stay accountable and even two three four years ago you also mentioned that in the podcast um and you had your 100 day challenge, uh, yeah. fitness challenge, you said, you know, uh, we need to be accountable for the challenges to others, yeah. or we need to be accountable. In the moment where you became an entrepreneur or the moment, you know, the whole year 2019, um, do you think you, you are accountable for, for the kids or for the parents or who you are? Would you see, see that in the same way that you say, okay, I, I'm accountable for something, I have a responsibility 
for being yeah, yeah. in charge for that um it's very it's strange that you mention it today actually just this morning i was um chatting with a friend and i was talking about you know the business and and hive and stuff like that and you know i always joke that i i don't look at the bank account i don't want to know what's in the bank account <laughs> i don't want to know you know i just want to know that we're safe and yes i, I i'm not interested in like growing at 30% a year or whatever um because i feel like here's my here's my ladder of accountability right number 1 i think i'm accountable to my team so my team of teachers uh, the the team that we work with we're four women and we're a very close knit group of women but i think i'm accountable to them because i cannot expect a member of my team to be nice to a child in the classroom when she herself is unhappy for whatever reason you know um if she's not you know comfortable if she's not able to go see her family if i'm you know denying her the ability to 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 do something that she feels that is important in her life whether that's pursuing a passion or being with a child or um you know taking a day off when she feels the need for it how am i supposed to expect that she's going to bring positivity into the classrooms of the hive so i think number one i'm accountable to my team and after that i'm accountable to the kids um i feel like i i want to always maintain this habit that i have at the hive that i always have time to speak to a child no matter how early in the morning no matter how late at night no matter how ridiculous the story is that you want to tell me no matter you know what it is what piece of art you've created a pink giraffe maybe that you want to show me i must have time for you and if i don't have time for you then i'm i'm failing you at some level and only then am i really accountable to the parents because i feel like my clients in that sense aren't really the parents they're just the they happen to pay the bill yes and they are the ones that i technically should be marketing to yes but what i really care about is whether the kids leave my class feeling safe happy challenged and engaged um and through that if the parents can buy into that then that's great and but i i feel like once you get into a system where you're constantly accountable to parents then you're just running a business then you're not running hmm. then there's nothing different about you you you're every other profit generating children's <laughs> yes anything yes yeah, you know you be the next activity center uh, down the road um and after after being accountable to parents then i'm accountable to the world and its expectations and then i'm accountable to the bottom line which is the excel sheet and profit in that sense so as long as i'm making enough money to be able to keep this ladder the way it is i'm okay i i have no dreams of buying a five bedroom mansion in emirates hills <laughs> <laughs> um for talking about five bedroom uh, <laughs> apartment um I want to talk with you a little bit about the word space because when when I looked into in the website and you, you know the hive is a space for almost anything what is for you space what is the definition of space for you um that's such a beautiful question um i often see the hive uh, and maybe because this was my experience with drama growing up is that it was the gap that was in between school and home uh, because what happens is that in school there's a I don't know whether you remember being in school but at least in my school there was a very very hard sense of hierarchy that was already set in place 
you know there was a principal and there were teachers and there were seniors and then even within the classroom there were the there were the nerdy kids and the sporty kids and the ones that the teachers liked and the ones that the teachers didn't like and somehow in the process of school you got slotted into a box and you kind of more or less stayed there really until you passed out of school and the same thing would happen your next opportunity to reinvent would only be in college if at all and even then you carry 12 years of his baggage right similarly at home you are, there is an already existing sense of rules and hierarchy so there is what dad is like and what mom is like and what my sisters like and what my grandmom wants me to be i think the hive i i pride in the hive being a space where you can walk in and you can reinvent yourself we will see you with a fresh set of eyes we don't want to hear what your maths teacher thinks of you and we don't want to hear whether you're the smarter of the two siblings or any of that you know we want to discover you again so you are allowed to be who you want to be and and i mean that both from an acting and an and a real world perspective nice so when yeah. when because also you mentioned um prior that you want to give every child also attention you want to be available Yeah. um is that for you also space in form of time oh most certainly yeah most mm -hmm. certainly i i heard this lovely quote by shell obama the other day and i think i wonder if i'm paraphrasing but i think i've thought about it so much that i may have made it my own uh i think somebody <laughs> asked her what her superpower was and she said my power is being able to make people feel seen and heard um and i realized that i had that power with radio when i was on media and i realized now that i want to shine that upon people who matter really little people who really need it mm -hmm. who need to feel seen and heard yeah and also being yeah as you said like being list being heard as well i think it's super important um because many people listen but they're not actually listen and yeah. and this is also actually an art as well to be yeah to be there with full attention as well and yeah. listen and it's super super important um when you said you know the whole 2019 you had almost a 24 hour work day <laughs> how was how was for you then end of 2019 or were you then kind of really you know prioritized you only were working for the hive as well how how was that or beginning of 2020 how was the day looking like for you then um so very interesting uh and the beginning of 2020 is when i put in my papers but march 31st was my last day of work um okay. i went through um you know a lot of personal stuff in in january and february and i was going through a difficult divorce and i was constantly flying in and out of india because i had to go to like do these court visits and meet lawyers and all this kind of jazz um and i came back um on the 28th of february uh, thinking okay great now the divorce is out of the way now i can really focus on the hive i can focus on life and on the 8th of march we hit lockdown and covid happened wow. so i i actually my last day on radio was bang smack in the middle of lockdown <laughs> can you believe it <laughs> there was not a soul on the roads if if you ask me on my last day at work <laughs> i think the whole world will remember your last day of work um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's, it's something what not everyone can say, you know, the, half, the whole world can remember my last day of work. But, you know, that, that kind of transition, uh, I mean, you left a very difficult other life chapter behind, you know, with uh, going back and forth with uh, lawyers, etc. You wanted to start a new life chapter, or you kind of continued that one existing amazing life chapter, but then you kind of got restricted to lockdown and everything around. How I wouldn't be restricted, actually, you no? know, Daniel. I, I was that April, May, June time of my life was like, uh, it was a God given. I, I mean, I, it's terrible to say it, but the lockdown came as a blessing for me because I just had to sit at home. I had no choice but to unwind. Um, I focused on just waking up every morning, eating healthy, working out, meditating, reading, watching, talking to friends, connecting with family. It was the healing that I was that I had required. And thank God that everything played out as it did. Because if it had been any other way, um, it would have been it would have been crazy. Mm. You know, I really needed those three months and I would spend like five hours of a day teaching in the evening on Zoom because we continued to do lessons. Uh, we were, we had to much like every other educational institution in the world, quickly reinvent and figure out how we were going to do transition to an online format, uh, which we did, but it was great. <laughs> it was really great. Yeah. <laughs> That the transition for you, that online teaching, I mean, I can imagine, especially in your field or where you, you know, with, with performing, uh, acting, et cetera, or entertaining, et cetera, I can see, or I can imagine that it was not that easy to make the transition, right? Because you live with presence, you live with like natural eye contact in that yeah. space. So how yeah. was for you that transition then? Um, would you say you create, kind of created a new format in online? We did, we format? did, and we, we we realized that it worked for some kids uh, as well. It actually worked better for some children than, than on-ground lessons um, because they were in the comfort of their own home. Uh, parents, for the first time, actually saw what happens in a drama class because very often these parents would like drop their kids off downstairs and they would, they would go off and they would, they would never really know what happened. But you know now they were able to see what we were doing. So that was very interesting. Um, I think a lot of kids were, they, they were happy to be like inviting us into their spaces, you know, so you would see their little brother or their little sister in the background and very often, you know, somebody would bring their, their cat or dog into the frame and, you know, we'd all take a break for five minutes to ooh and ah about it and <laughs> move on with our feet. So, of course, it was challenging because after all, we're teaching drama um, and we require space. Yes. Really, that's is we need space to be able to understand how our bodies would move but it had its own it had its own uh, you know benefits actually mm -hmm. and how is the situation looking now for you is it still online slash on-site a mix or how is the situation right now in Dubai right now with a lot of parents uh, being a little worried about um, you know sending their kids back to a physical space uh, there, yeah, there, there is, it's going to be half online and half on ground. So we're taking all the safety precautions required, but we're hoping that in the next couple of months, we'll be able to transition out of this. Hmm. Um, I was always wondering, you know, when I actually kept following you on Instagram the last year as well, and I could see the, the happy faces, truly happy faces on Instagram and, you know, wherever you posted as well. I always wondered um, what kind of message 
are they taking back home or to their personal life from all the sessions you do right now with them? If it's now in 2020 online or if it's inside, what kind of messages are they taking back home or in their personal life? What, do they, what are the learnings? What do you want you to enhance their life? Or what kind of message do you want to give them in their life with all the sessions? Um, I think what I really want is for them to take back a sense of empathy. Um, that is very important to me. Um, I, I often joke that, you know, parents come in saying that they want their children to gain confidence. But what I really want their children to take home is empathy. So that's the... I think that's the, 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 the trade-off that we have with parents, you know. So we empower the kids with the ability to know that, number one, they have stuff to say and the stuff that they want to say matters to the world. Two, that they are completely equipped to stand up and talk to anybody on any platform about what they believe. But also that these voices must then be treated with, when you have a voice, and you know that your voice can be heard, you must treat that voice with respect, which means you must uh, take the responsibility of, of being the voice of those who don't, of saying the stuff that needs to be said, of speaking the truth, of being as authentic as you can be in this world. So these are important lessons that I really want them to take away. Mm. Were there kids from the beginning, since the moment you took over in 2019 till today, where you saw not just a personal transformation, but also a transformation in the whole kind of maybe interest in maybe in performance and theater or something. Do you have like specific I, stories where, you know, say you, yeah, you kind yeah. of were part of that one child and over a year or so, or one and a half year, you could see the transformation? I have so many stories, <laughs> so many, many stories. And each of them means so much to me. I remember there was one young boy who I actually usually see uh, every Saturday. And, you know, just this Saturday, I was telling him that I remember the first day he walked into the hive. He didn't want to enter the classroom. He stood outside for, for the first couple of sessions because he was just bawling his eyes out. He didn't want to be here. He just, he couldn't stand the idea of standing in front of a room full of people and talking. And he would, and that slowly kind of changed one day at a time, one class at a time. And now he's, you know, making YouTube videos and he's like making speeches in front of his friends and family and he wants to voice his opinion about the world and he's only 10. So it's amazing to see that kind of change. Um, I, I've seen changes in, in children who are, are older as well, like where they've, you know, been going through like, a, I don't know, I don't know what I'm interested in. And now I see them and they love performance and they love theater and they've really found their home in it. Uh, and and I can see that sense of belonging and that's something that's so powerful, right? Especially when you're a teen, to have that mm. sense of belonging, it means everything. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've got, I mean, there's a six-year-old in my class and when I remember when she first came, she, she could not even say one line in her play, wow. uh, you know, and, and, it, it just started purely with, okay, just let's do the action. And then it became one word. And then one word became one sentence. And her mom sent me a video the other day of her doing a full-blown video for her school. And it's so amazing to see this. It's so yeah. rewarding. Remember from the last podcast, you said that, you know, um, you were one of the youngest radio moderators 
for I think a night slot at the age of yeah. 19. So yeah. since you started working at the Hive, do you see like you going back to the roots? You kind of see yourself in them? Yeah, in the young absolutely. Kids? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I see myself in all of them, in all of them, in so many different ways. I sometimes have to stop myself like, okay, they are not you. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, Malvika. Back off a bit already. <laughs> uh, a lot of young uh, radio moderators or <laughs> presenters yeah. are being grown up. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're all way ahead of me. I mean, I think they're going to far surpass anything that I could have ever done in my life. Like, they, they are way ahead of me. Way ahead. Do you think, do you mean by, by the age? You mean way more mature? Mature, uh, they have such a such a defined worldview at such a young age. They have uh, exposure to so many new opportunities. They are geared up and ready to go. I mean, they have they have answers at at fourteen that I didn't have at twenty four. They, you know, they're great. They're just great. These kids. That's amazing. If you ever have, you know, if you ever feel hopeless, walk into a room of kids. And you'll see that the that all is not lost. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I'm, you you get so much energy back actually. Something which you not have thought of. I mean, it's an invisible energy which you get actually over there. Um, when I now look back over, yeah, since the last podcast uh, till today, would you say this whole transition, that whole new chapter, or the hive, is it one standalone chapter? which started or would you say the last two years are multiple chapters? How would um, you divide? No, I think it's been a brand new chapter. If I were to say, I think January of 2020 opened up a completely new chapter in my life and a lot has changed. Like I, I, I just think I've changed as a person um, and all of my close friends and family feel the same way because I just feel like I'm just not the same person that I was. Um, my choices are very different now. Um, the, my choice of what I do with my time, my choice of what I do with my energy, it's very clear to me now. And I'll say that only for now, right? Because I don't know how long this will last. This Malvika may only last another couple of years before my attention moves somewhere else and my purpose becomes something different. But to me right now, it is very clear. And if something doesn't, fall in line with my purpose then I feel like at the age of 33 I'm like it's cool I'm not gonna do it <laughs> it's final pass up guys <laughs> I mean yeah. yeah I mean you know every I mean as you said like with I mean, the new life chapter starting January 2020 um I think this is gonna be a big life chapter a big new life chapter where you know you learn a lot as you said you learned already a lot about yourself as well so how would you i mean that itself this whole new life chapter how would you even that life chapter is not over anytime soon but how mm. would you or what would you call it if you um, maybe a, um, a working title maybe a working title um, let me remember so the first decade was finding words the second was listening to stories the third was telling stories right yes I think the fourth will be empowering others to tell their stories. Wow. Yeah. It's a very, very interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you're connecting the dots. It's more or less empowering others to tell their stories. It's very nice. So what stories do you want to tell them? Uh, what stories do you want them to tell? I'm interested in um, 
them telling real stories um and i think that's that's so important um for them to know that like not just the kids yeah I, i mean i'm talking about the kids and you know the adults that i work with and whoever i interact with and in whatever capacity i interact with them i think it's important to me that the people that i touch or help or work with in my life are those who embrace their entire story like and are willing to tell it in all of its messy details and are willing to be you know embrace all of it um i i think too much of time has been spent in this world uh, airbrushing people's stories you know um i'm keen to know i'm keen to know real stuff like come on tell me tell me the real story <laughs> yes 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 i mean so many stories you know that are repeated or they are kind of touch based on the surface but not really yeah. you know touching the heart or really like you know yeah authentic sometimes so many times you know we we living a story of other people as well you know we paste and copy yeah. other people it's so funny it is it's just a couple of weeks ago actually i did a, i did an article for a newspaper here in the uae about how my so this particular class that i was teaching was largely south asian kids right most of them from from india and every time that they would write a story the characters would be called like Wendy and Peter and John and they all had blonde hair and blue eyes and I'm like guys you don't know one person who looks like that why are all of your characters like this i mean for heaven's sake can our story not be set in alabama can it just be set in abu dhabi instead or or in india can you yes. tell me a story about your history or your personality about the you know why why is all the food always roasting marshmallows how about what's in the fridge of an indian family like <laughs> you know tell me about the masalas on your countertops yeah, that's yes. what i'm interested in knowing so yeah i mean this is what i mean i think but it, it usually takes a couple of years of building confidence to be able to authentically say so here's who i am you know mm. this is what makes me me Yeah I mean I can, you can see that also when you go to uh, a library and you pick a children's book as well I mean the stereotypes are very very clear you know it's uh, or when you think about superheroes or even you know I mean it's always this kind of stereotype which is yeah. it's I would not say brainwash but you know children think in that characters in that kind of you know image as well and it's also they might transform that or transfer that towards the Uh, stage as well because and and can you blame them i mean they've grown mm-hmm. up on a healthy dose of enid blyton and netflix so obviously all of their characters are either british or american um and i you know i i made a joke in my class the other day i was like look guys i will pay you 100 dirhams if your main character is female and another 100 dirhams if they're not american or british did it work really, did it work in that It worked. It worked. <laughs> Children are easily bribed. Thank God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's also the challenge for them. You know, maybe they are not aware of that. I mean, as you say, I mean, we as adults we are aware of that because we see the contrast. Yeah. But then, you know, I mean, if they live in their in their kind of children's story environment, as you say, with Netflix and co, they are not aware of that. Yeah. And I think it's yeah. super important from from our side to highlight that as well and to yeah. bring them a little bit in a different thinking. direction as well um you know 
how how i mean you know being in charge of the space or, or the hive as well how would you call yourself uh, what title are you giving yourself uh, uh, the official title and the unofficial title because you always think you know i'm when, when, throughout the conversation you know when you said you know i'm took over i'm now in charge and then i'm looking after my team you always have a formal title yeah and then we have an informal title <laughs> i'm very keen to know what is your informal title actually so the formal the title is managing director that's what it says on the well, business card. yes and the informal title strong female lead strong <laughs> female lead It's 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 like a it's like a um, I mean it's it's kind of a role play, right? I mean everyone has this kind of character name as well. Strong yeah. female lead, nice. So you know, would you say you and you you learned everything literally from scratch over the last couple of months, last year, yeah. everything around entrepreneurship as well, and of course team how to build a team culture, how to you know listening etc. Um, listening also to your team. Would you say there were certain areas in the last one and a half years since starting 2019 where you would not advise other entrepreneurs to, to copy? Do that? Yeah, to do. Um, yeah, I think I think that there were times when um, because I was running at a certain pace, um, I was and and unhealthily perhaps. So um, I was expecting my team to run at the same pace as well um, without realizing that all of us burning out simultaneously was not going to be the best idea in the world. Uh, I think we've now settled to uh, that. I think I was trying to sprint a marathon and I was okay. trying to do that on a basis. And sometimes that, even though a lot of, I guess a lot of team culture actually just is non-verbally communicated, right? Um, because you're following a certain pattern and you're entering the space with a certain energy, you, everyone else kind of, you know, that rubs off on everyone else. And I think that this whole idea of a work-life balance has now become a lot more important to me. Mm. Um, I'm keen for, for us to keep it that way. Um, I mean, there's no, I, I often think about how like, you know, you you hear about CEOs who get up and go for a run in the morning and they're like, you know, doing this uh, like health regimen and they're eating well. And you, when you think of the, of the cool CEO who's sitting in this massive cabin with this, you know, cool corner office or whatever it is you call it, the top floor, or the boardroom, the C-suite, you'd never envision someone who is, you know, say, you know, unhealthy or... Um, you know, not taking care of themselves or their family. I think it's important, number one, that you respect your own body and your own family and your own time and that you allow your team to do so as well to the same degree uh, and that you put people first. Yeah. I think sometimes we tend to put our work first. I don't, I, I think your work can only happen because you exist and for you to exist, you you know, it needs some time, love, and tenderness. <laughs> Putting the people first, it's a very nice actually statement. 
uh, a belief as well, you know, when you keep that on your daily basis, wherever you are, whatever, if it's work or life, private life, always putting the people first. And it's super yeah. important as well. Um, when, when it comes now to a little bit the future, um, I'm talking about the hive. Um, do you have new plans, uh, short-term or long-term for the hive? Um, where, are you, where do you want to bring the hive towards in the next um, couple of months, next year, with or without Corona? Um, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully without. <laughs> Hopefully without. Um, yeah, uh, I think so. Um, I'm very, very keen for the hive to grow in, in its impact. Um, so I'm hoping that, you know, by the end of next year, um, that we should be, that we should have at least, um, you know, three more spaces that we, we are working out of. Uh, I'd love for the hive to physically expand as well. So to get a second headquarters, I, I would love for that to happen by the end of next year. Mm. Um, more importantly, I think what I've sort of put on my vision board for the hive uh, from a leadership point of view is to ensure that everyone on the team is leading their own little thing within the thing, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, that they have their own little um objective that they're working on or they have their own private project that satisfies what they want to do with the performing arts or something that they feel passionately about so that is another thing that i want to work on um not so um worried too much about like the numbers and stuff i'm not I, you know I, I don't want to say that we'll have double the number of students or we'll have triple the number of students because i don't think that's what's really important i want to be able to continue to know every single child by name Yes. And I want to know, like, I, I should be, I mean, if a child walks into the hive tomorrow, I should be able to say, I remember you, you were doing this piece of poetry in this grade and you performed this piece of Shakespeare and that on that day, as long as I can continue to do that, I'm happy to grow. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So is it currently or um, open for uh, students based in UAE? or with the online yes. format also um, it is, it across is, the borders? We in fact have a couple of international students who've joined us too. So okay. we've been doing a couple of online drama lessons with uh, a few international students too. So yeah, we are open for registrations and our new term starts on the 14th of September. 14th of September. Um, so also for international students, for the online? Yes. For online, yes. okay. Where, where, the, where can they find more information about that uh, uh, yeah, liveathive.ae is our website. We're on Instagram and on Facebook at, as liveathive. Um, but of course, the numbers are all up there as well. So best we, we're best reached by WhatsApp. <laughs> nice. Okay. So um, when I now kind of look back into the, in your past life book and you kind of add on chapter in the last two years, um, and you kept saying a lot about the finding new words or searching for words and finding the words what words would you summarize the last two years? Um, wow. Let's say what three words, what three words would summarize the last two years? Balance, finding balance. I think that has become important. Um, finding balance, empowering and empathizing. That's 
that would be the second one finding balance empowering and empathizing and um loving and laughing loving and laughing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think this is kind of summarized as well you know what you what, what you want to get out of the hive as well you know um yeah. loving and laughing i think this is one of the most the best therapy you can ever have as well um or for kids as well uh, to yeah. stay positive as well lovely nice um i can't wait for the next follow-up call i think like every I two know. years <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining two years time okay do we have a third pandemic do we have uh, something else <laughs> an asteroid came to the earth where we just cover i don't know i mean to be honest uh, is the hive now a global institution i don't know it's um <laughs> i think a lot of things can happen in two years to be honest i mean we just yeah. spent over an hour over the last two years even through the last podcast we covered like two hours in your whole life but i think you know a lot of things can happen in just two years and even if you just summarize it even two months can a lot of things can happen but we need to be aware actually of what happened otherwise we just you know being thrown into any kind of direction and we keep forgetting what actually happened and what did we actually learned from the past and that's really amazing what you know the transition of the last two years what happened in your life but also kind of which it was also your calling i mean as you said like you know you always try to you worked already there a little bit and you kind of made that environment to a place where you're not burned out in the end where you now feel fully charged it's like you're going in the evening to like a power charging station you get charged in the evening <laughs> uh, symbolically um so that's very nice um yeah and then also the, the cover i mean the cover of your book you know having still two hands but one is maybe an adult and one is maybe a child's hand that's very very nice to see that you know you still keep that kind of you know personal interest in everything yeah. when it comes thank to connecting you. people so inspir inspiring thank people you. as well you know the last time we had a chat i went on and bought a business i don't know what's going to happen in the next two weeks daniel you seem to have some kind of strange power over <laughs> i'm just summarizing what happened in your life you are the action planner you're a decision planner maybe in two years time some i don't know you buying another business and then you're expanding i don't know oh, you will find out but it's yeah, lovely to some monk or something in two years you know decide to like <laughs> and then another full-time job and then you have five full-time jobs at the same time <laughs> uh, yeah really looking forward for the next actually follow-up call with you um thank you so much for having thank the you. time thank you thank and you. then Hopefully, without Corona, I'm able to come to Dubai again. I Let can't wait. Catch we up must you in, per, catch up. in person. Exactly. We must catch up. We must. We certainly must. I'd for love sure. for you to come to the Hive. I would love to, to be honest. I would love to. I would love to actually not just observe. I would love to be part of one of the trainings with the kids. This, I mean, yeah. I, everything you said, I 100% agree. It transforms you in a complete different world. And also, yeah. leave, it's like going to the cinema. You're in a different world. You leave that yeah. world with stress and worries and whatever behind. And that's like going to a cinema, actually. You, you know, you're putting yourself in an environment where you're so engaged, you're inspired and everything else. So we'd love to actually visit and also uh, see. <laughs> I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank and you. best of luck with everything over Thank the next you. weeks and months. 
stay i mean i don't have to say stay positive you always stay positive and <laughs> best of luck for the business and everything thank you <laughs> thank you so much Can you feel the energy? It feels like you attended one of her drama workshops where you leave with full of energy. What a great podcast follow-up. You can find more about The Hive at www.thehive.ae Hive, H-I-V-E Or follow her on Instagram at Malavita Barata. The links are also in the show notes. So folks, this was one of the first chapters of my life's podcast add-ons as a way to follow up with the past guests to create add-on chapters to their live books and to see what changed since the last recording. So with this pandemic going on, we all have to adjust and so do I will aim to record most podcasts in person. But for occasions where it's not possible, we will do an online recording. Who else do you want to hear? Leave some comments. What did you like most from this podcast? Which chapters of other entrepreneurs, athletes, innovators, or changemakers do you want to hear in the future? Leave a comment or drop me a message on social media. You can find me on Instagram at bydanielbertwick. Looking forward to your replies on social media. Just don't forget, never give up. Always look up. See you next time.